BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's an interesting question from an instrumentalist. Huh? <laughs> uh, I guess like... He's like, here's the top rappers. Dylon, Dylon. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Last Words on the Pit. I'm Zena Koto, one of your hosts, and finally doing my due diligence and doing my intro here. Who else we got here? I'm Katie Rosari of Season of Mist and Outburn Magazine. And I'm Doc Coyle, guitarist of Bad Wolves and host of the X-Men Podcast. And I'm Angel Vivaldi, guitar instrumentalist. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Shredder extraordinaire and a fine Latino. This is the What's hottest on, guest guys? we've ever had. Thank you for having me. Oh, shredders. Okay, look, I'm always impressed by your hand movements, Angel. Let me tell you, oh, that's an indication of a good man, all right? <laughs> There's a reason I used to date guitar players. Um, oh, my condolences on behalf of all of us. Oh, believe me, I've cried enough tears. <laughs> that's like, yeah. Uh, and we're already demonetized. Oh, demonetized I mean, already. You should definitely put out a lot of, uh, you, know, um, you know, pity for the guitar players who... <laughs> Oh, the tears that are shed for you all and the lack of Both their hearts, the lack of, you know, attention that you get for your wonderful skill. Angel, just sip my tea. <laughs> it is bubbling right now. Who are some of the shredders that you could stand by? Like we got to We got to go over our list, but I want to hear the ones that were the most influential over you. The first I like the front lines for me. Number one was Kirk Hammett, man. He was the one that just like got me. Like, this is what you can do on guitar beyond just playing rhythm, which I was a rhythm guitarist for, you know, I think most people start on rhythm, obviously. Well, most do. I mean, nowadays is a little bit different, but, you know, that was the one that taught me like, hey, you can do this too, you know? And then from there, Marty Friedman, uh, Alex Skolnick, really. So it's like, you know, the big three, you know, thrash lead guitarists. And then the one that kind of helped me transition out of that mentality as far as just playing one type of shred was Eric Johnson. And he was like an exclusive guitar instrumentalist. He was the first guitar instrumentalist that I've heard. And I'm kind of grateful that he came when he did because um, he's so, so versatile. Like he's primarily like kind of like a, like a blues fusion rock guy, you know, not so like thrash metal. So he kind of gave me a different shade of what, shred is capable of doing so but those were like the my the big ones you know starting off for me i mean the concept of shred right because you brought up a good you know a good point and doc i'd actually be very curious to hear your point of view on this when we talk about shredders right mm -hmm. everybody thinks quick fast really complicated right yep. and i know that there's an obvious musical difference between rhythm guitar and people who just shred and really have that musical capability What's like the in-between though, right? Because when you think of other people who may just be technically proficient, but also like put together really melodic, technically proficient content, 
like yeah. what's your take on that like what is the actual definition of a shredder that's a fantastic question and you know what there's no one answer because the, the word itself has a tremendous amount of stigma it has so much stigma just recently and i'm not naming names but two days ago i saw a shredder do some type of like guess all over someone and he literally in the caption said i'm not really i don't really do the shred thing i'm like bitch what the fuck like <laughs> you're a, you play instrumental shred metal bro like so it's because it has a stigma, there's a level of shame that's associated with it only because when people hear the word shred, they think of this very sterile, nothing but self-indulgent fast playing, right? But, you know, shred has a lot of definitions. So like my, like my personal opinion of what shred is, is just virtuosic playing. You mm. can shred on violin, you can shred on piano, you can shred on guitar, you know, it's it's not, you know, I feel like guitar is the only realm that gets that type of hate for some weird reason, you know, because like if someone's shredding Paganini on a violin, they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> so it, it's, it's strange that the stigma strips away the integrity of what happens on this instrument. That's just so weird to me. Maybe it's because rock isn't supposed to have that level of discipline, you know, it's like. I think you think like punk rock and all the different like, you know, genres of metal. It's like rule breaking, you know. So in order to rule break, it's kind of like, um, you know, it's almost like it, it doesn't respect the amount of time and discipline it takes to actually focus and be able to do those things, you know. But that's what I think Shred is, honestly. It's just virtuosic playing, whether you're playing jazz, whether you're and it's not again, it's not. Um, exclusive to a genre you know jazz classical music obviously that was like the birth of shred really was classical music that really pushed the boundaries of what's capable on, a, on an instrument so yeah that's that's what i think it is to me personally you know it's funny because i i look at it from the complete opposite end of the spectrum where i think people don't like to call themselves shredders not because um that that looks bad i think people feel like a shredder is like such a high level of playing that it's like, I personally almost feel feel bad about even putting myself in that uh, position because I'm like, I almost feel like I'm not good enough to, to classify classify myself as a shredder. So some, but sometimes people will call me that or put you put you in there. So I think it's a, I don't, I don't know. I think the genre has gone through so many different phases, right? Like in the eighties, you probably couldn't get a gig unless you could play fast and tap and do neoclassical stuff. And then in the nineties, you had all these people who could play crazy, who were pretending like they couldn't, right. They were, they, they put their skills back in the shed and then, then it kind of came back in the, in the two thousands. So I, I don't know. I wonder maybe that's something, uh, a way you're kind of perceiving of, of maybe how you may have been, been criticized. Yeah, I think, but again, I think it's a matter of that association of just, self-indulgent playing you know and to be quite honest i think it's absolutely ridiculous because you mean to tell me that playing well playing an instrument well over a song is more self-indulgent than putting your voice on a song the thing that <laughs> identifies your being more than anything in the world like get the fuck out of here man like it, it it's a it's a it's a you know it's like a weak argument for a feeble mind you know Spoken by a true instrumentalist. Right there. <laughs> Katie, Katie, we haven't gotten to hear you talk. What, what, what is your perspective on this? All right, where do you stand? Are you moved by the shredded guitars? 
Well, first of all, I'd like to point out that when Angel ran down the list of all the instruments you could shred on, notice he conveniently left out the bass. Like, I think we've got a hater here. All right. Ooh. Damn. <laughs> Let me drop. You know what? Please drop your mic. <laughs> I, I, I would, but it's very heavy and expensive, I think. I don't know. Anyway, um, you know, it's interesting because I think as we're having this conversation, it's bringing to mind players who I think, I think there's maybe a difference between shredder versus guitar icon because there's, I think, a lot of people who really changed music and were extremely influential players who weren't necessarily very technically proficient or spectacular, but just wrote great music. And that's Nirvana and that's Kurt Cobain. And I feel like Kurt Cobain is one of the greatest guitar players ever, but at the same time, is he gonna be able to get on stage and play some Joe Satriani type, technically proficient speed stuff? No, not at all. But at the same time, he wrote songs that are timeless, that are completely incremental to music, to the birth of a genre. So I think maybe for me, I look at Shredder more like the metal guys of that technical proficiency. But I don't think just because you're a shredder that makes you a guitar icon and a, vice versa. So I think for me, I separate those things. I agree, absolutely. I mean, like Kurt Cobain was the reason why I picked up a guitar to begin with, 100%. And, you know, I think the one thing I always hold uh, to this day with my approach to making music is it, it's, it's a tool to write songs, essentially, you know? And that's the one thing that he, again, wasn't, like you said, wasn't a great guitarist, but he was an incredible wielder of the guitar to, it's just a means to an end to him. Just a matter of just a tool to write the songs and, you know, and his ability to write them, to sing the melodies and write the lyrics and to fit everything. Like that's such a, 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 a craft with such a tremendous amount of depth that just certain people just really don't have. Um, but I do think it's a different type of shade of like, I, I, I identify things with different colors, right? So if you look at like a blues player, like, let's say for instance, like a BB King, for instance, right? Guitar icon, obviously, but yo, homeboy can play his ass off too. Right. So, you know, but a lot, and, and I'll go into like, I won't go, you know, too into depth of like music theory and stuff like that. Cause I never took lessons. I didn't go to school for this shit. So <laughs> I'm self taught myself, but you know, when people hear the blues, they think they see that as like a very emotional way to play like, oh, you know, I can't get into Malmsteen, but I can get into that. But regardless of whether it's B.B. King or Malmsteen or whoever it is, it's still a matter of technique. It's just a matter of whether the package that the guitar is being supported with as far as the type of music or the song, if it's like easy listening, you know, because Malmsteen is not easy. Steve Vai is not easy listening, you know, and it's... um. Is, like you like you said, Zena, is it's a very complex type of like frequency that just like, you know, the wavelengths are very erratic and, and chaotic, you know. So it's like not necessarily easy to digest what it is that they're trying to say. But because you don't necessarily maybe maybe if someone doesn't necessarily understand it, doesn't mean that they're not saying something, you know? I kind of liken it to sports, right? Like you think about somebody who's excellent in a sport, right? You put on a pair of ice skates, right, for instance. Like you can, you can move on the ice skates, right? But it's a whole different game when you're a, an Olympic figure skater, right? To me, there's like two different ways that you look at it. You can either look at it for like what Katie was saying, like the emotional value, the songwriting value, 
um, I think there's an element of shred there too, because it's like incredible to watch somebody go through that process and kind of connect those things. But then when you see somebody who's just like super technically proficient, I know that I'm constantly blown away. I mean, one of the things that I wanted to bring up and the people I wanted to bring up was obviously Van Halen. Um, yeah. You know, just kind of thinking through Van Halen, just like the principles of which you'd listen to the shred, right? <laughs> Within Van Halen, like to me, that is like a temple example of like the two worlds meeting in one. Yeah, I mean, and he's the one that really, well, he's, well, who knows what people were doing behind closed doors because obviously the internet wasn't a thing, you know? And that's what really gives people like levels of playing field. But at that time, he was the one that broke the walls down to, to expose what was really possible, you know? And then when that happened, like everyone wanted to play like that, you know? Everyone felt almost validated to play like that. But the thing is, the reason why he was successful wasn't because like he can shred like that. It wasn't the only thing. It's because Homeboy wrote some awesome songs, man. Great riffs, amazing melodies. The thing is, it's like, cause I've had the experience of playing in bands, you know, and in bands, like I am very aware of what my role is. Like I'm, it's the singer that's up in the front lines and I'm just chilling, man. I'm like writing the songs and supporting what the singer and, and what they're adept at, you know? And he knew his role. He went, and that's the same thing with Kirk Cobain knew how to do. He knew when to play and he knew when not to play. And my first experience with that was playing at church. That was my first time ever playing with other musicians. And we were playing salsa, merengue, bachata. So there wasn't a lot of room for like a little 15 year old with an electric guitar. <laughs> you know, it's like. Say one more time in that accent. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the reading. Okay. That was a read. That was a read. Good. <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> but, um, but no, but that's the thing is like, you know, whenever I started to overstep my bounds, the musical director was like, nah, you know, and then I started recording myself at the rehearsals. And um, and at first I was like, oh, my ego, you know, but once I heard it back, I was like, he's right. And then I became a lot more self-aware of when to use, you know, my abilities and when the way they were appropriate, because you don't want to be invasive to a song, you know, because then no one's having a good time. <laughs> that's why Vinnie Vincent got booted from Kiss. He didn't know his place. He would get on stage and he would play like 35 minute long solos. And it's like he was he and, and to this day is probably one of the most technically proficient and incredible guitar players. But he will never really hold up because he didn't know his place. He didn't know when to play, when to stop. And he he kind of tanked his own career with that. Doc is a guitar player in the band. What do you think about that? I mean, this is something I think about deeply because it's it's my profession. It's my art. It's uh the way I, I express myself and I'm always trying to evolve, right? It's almost uh, as a guitar player, you know, you have all these things, you know, this, the sports analogy I think is, is really apt. And in that, so, you know, I'm a big basketball fan, right? If I see some guy out there and he's doing crazy dribbling, he's going behind the back and he's like doing all this stuff. And it's kind of, sometimes it's much ado about nothing, even though it takes skill. So me, I'm always going to uh, prioritize personality, melody, and originality over just being technically proficient. Because what I see a lot now, because there's so many tools for young guitar players, whether that's online learning or YouTube or guitar pro, all those things, these young, the young generation can just fly and they can do a lot of things. But if I see someone up there and there's kind of their faces buried in their guitar and they just look like there's no passion, there's no excitement, it's just sounds perfect, but it's robotic. Yep. It's not, I'll still be impressed and I'll be like, well, and it's not like I could do that, but 
the probably the the most the modern guitar player that moves me the most uh emotionally is gary clark jr uh and he's not the most technical guy in the world but there's just i i can hear his sound from a million miles away and i know who it is and i know that's someone up there who is bleeding their heart out through it and it, and it has nothing to do about whether it's fast or slow but i wanted i want someone to feel through the instrument and so i think the idea about indulgence right whether it's a basketball player over dribbling whether it's a horn player who won't stop stolen just with anyone like sports music is a team environment and so once it becomes overly indulgent and therefore overly selfish and not about the bigger picture yep. that's absolutely what i couldn't agree more because it is about the bigger picture and i think that a lot of the younger guitarists i notice a lot of the times they they take their inspiration and they use it as an influence. And what happens is they just essentially copy and paste what their guitar heroes are doing, you know? So essentially what happens is there's a tremendous amount of copycats right now, you know, in the guitar instrumental world, doing the same thing over and over and over again. Like right now it's a lot of that neo soul kind of jazz fusion. And you can't tell these motherfuckers apart. Like they're just, they're exactly the same. Now one could argue it's essentially the same thing that we did back in the day, but there was no internet back then. So there wasn't, there wasn't a trajectory of having to put yourself online and expose where you're at at 15 and then 17, then 19, then 20, then 25 and 30 and, and so on. So, you know, one could argue is like, yeah, that's just what you did. You know, you sound the same way back in the day. Or another thing is like, sometimes it's just like really blatantly copying. Like I don't, myself my own journey like i don't necessarily remember kind of taking particular like licks or anything like that from other guitarists like i always kind of like heard them and i was too lazy to learn it to be quite honest like i like i see those 20 page tabs and i'm like i just don't have the capacity to learn this shit you know so i would take the generalized idea and i would like spin it you know to the best of my ability you know and but that's the thing it's like you know one could argue either way right now you know it's like Either A, it's just the journey because, you know, that's just what you do nowadays in order to get any type of like traction or followers and stuff like that. But it's just, um, yeah, it's just a very interesting observation, but I'm definitely seeing a lot more of it. I, like, I'm like you, Doc, like, you know, you hear a note and there's some type of like passion behind it. Like there's a sense of individuality, individuality. There's, they're providing something that isn't, that there's a hole in the scene that they're fitting you know, and I feel like the people that fill that hole are the ones that have the careers nowadays, you know, and the other ones is like the younger generation. I feel like, I don't know, time will tell, but I have a feeling that a good amount of them are going to really struggle with that. I think there's like an existential issue in general with music right now because of that across all genres, right? When you think about it, you're right. There weren't ways for us to hear amateur music as much back in the mm -hmm. day, right? Like we could, you, you'd have to physically hand it to somebody to play a tape that you recorded in your bedroom, right? Right. And now yep. anybody could put music up online. And because of that, there's a subversive influence that happens. And the copycatism is like kind of par for the course, right? Because it's, you're just going to be, you're going to be dissecting kind of the same sounds, the same production techniques, all of these things over and over. But then one could argue on the other side that because there is access to all of this educational content that we never had access to, right? You just, I don't know how the hell you guys learned how to play guitar. I tried so many times and I'm just awful. I can't do it. Thanks. I can play piano somewhat, not even, but I, I just find it a very difficult instrument to, to learn, right? Like you either kind of have it or you don't. 
and you're either able to do it or you can't or or like you're just not going to do it but it's mm -hmm. interesting with these with these like tutorials and just watching these people shred like people spend hours in their room day in day out learning how to be virtuosos right but the element that's missing that we had to go through is playing shows to no one yep. <laughs> playing shows where you completely screw up and i'm curious when you are a very technical and proficient guitar player especially when you're a shredder right or is there somebody who actually has that ability and knows that cadence what do you do when you screw up <laughs> i mean personally i've embraced my uh lack of perfection and and i think it's this environment where now based on the way records sound you can go in and fix every note and punch everything in or slow it down and speed it back up and i don't know there's just no, i almost like lean into the fact that hey i'm warts and all it, <laughs> but it's me and it just when i think that's just you age and you get older and you get more comfortable with yourself and you get okay with 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 being imperfect and that's you know at least if that happens you know it's real right that's what i love about metallica when they you know they put up all these shows these free show performances and they don't fix them and then you know there's a little they miss a note or someone does something but you know it's real and that's just always going to be more fascinating to me and more interesting than something that that it's so perfect you're like did they play it perfect or did they fix it did they, and you just you just you just don't know so it's like I, you know, I had a stick man from, from Fury of Five on my, on my podcast a couple weeks back. And he had this thing about, you know, like that he can't sing, but he's like, he's like, but I, I don't be high. I suck right in your face. So like sometimes just, just be what, who you are and be okay with it. And I, I, I think there's a certain freedom to that. And, and just, I kind of embrace my own just uh, individuality to that degree. Yeah. I just absolutely. say, I mean, I'm, oh, sorry. I'm obviously not a guitarist, but I work with a lot of them. And um, one of the guitarists I work with is Dean Lamb of Archspire. And he has a channel on YouTube that a lot of people maybe even are more familiar with than the actual band Archspire. And it's Dean and Claire Learn. And it's him and his wife who are both absolutely incredible guitar players. And I mean, Dean himself is known for writing some of the fastest music, some of the most technically proficient music, some of the most impossible to play music. And they learn songs and you watch him screwing it up and, you know, me even messing up his own music sometimes. And I think that's really cool and humbling because then other guitarists out there see, wow, you know what? Dean's just like me. He's still learning too, even though he's great. So I think like doc, you're onto something there with having that kind of attitude and just like owning it because I think that's more relatable. It's, it's scarier for a kid or more intimidating to look up and, see someone who seems absolutely perfect versus someone who they see flaws. I mean, of course there's the regular internet assholes who are going to be like, Oh my God, they messed up. Oh, it's all attack them now because they messed up once. It's like those people can't even play guitar. So like ignore them, but the kids who want to play and you know, even adults who want to play anyone who wants to pick up that guitar and play looking at someone like doc or Dean or these uh, guitarists who are just very, yeah, you know what? I mess up. It happens. And just own it and let people know it's okay to screw up. No one's perfect. Absolutely. You know, and I've and I've had the the privilege of of touring with some players, man. The thing is when when I first started touring with guitar instrumentalists that you know were I mean, it was rare that they had an off night, you know? Um I am not by any stretch of the imagination a flawless player. I'm not. 
at first, when I first started touring, I had a, I had this, I had a hard time. I had a really hard time because I, a part of me felt like I was letting my fans down. Um, you know, and, and you just like, you know, you're just an absolute dick to yourself. But the thing is, and I think it has to do with what Doc said, honestly, it's a matter of maturity and understanding that you are doing something that no one else can do. You know, Andy James can't play like me. Ingve Malmsteen can't play like me. I can't play like them. You know, we all have a particular thing that we offer. You know, so for me, it's like when I tour, it's a rock show, man. It's not a dress rehearsal. I'm running around, I'm engaging, like I'm, I'm, it's not a stand, a cardboard cutout thing, you know? And because I put on a show, you're going to sacrifice a little bit of your accuracy. And I don't give a shit. Like if you want to hear it perfect, go listen to the record. If you want to hear something unique, that's a little gift for you. Like I typically always keep little sections of, you know, I improvise, you know, throughout my set, maybe like three or four different sections. And I kind of look at it like, you know, whether I, I'm really on that night and and the improv was awesome or sometimes I'm a little bit off. Like regardless, that's like a very unique gift that that audience has that is for no one but them, you know? Um, but that's the thing, you know, I think certain artists just prioritize different things, you know? And I think a lot of it has to do with the demographic that they tend to attract, you know? If they're very in tune with their, you know, like Dream Theater, for instance, like their fans are so in tune with what they do, like, dream theater has like this essence of pristine perfection you know and they're not going to be doing backflips on stage because they have to maintain that that perfection to some degree you know they're going to fuck up here and there but for the most part that's what they they know that their fans want to hear they want to hear these technical songs executed as well as they can be you know whereas like iron maiden you know iron maiden is going they're they're nothing you know, it's my preference. Like, I want to see Iron Maiden, bro. You know, like, I want to see an experience. I want to see, you know, thought put into a show besides the thought that was put into an album that they already recorded, you know? So for me, the live show is everything, you know? And and I don't, you know, if I have a bad night, man, it's like, whatever, dude. <laughs> you know, it's like, whatever. I saw you... Theater open for Iron Maiden. <laughs> oh, I did too. Although I kind of fell asleep during Dream Theater. But I did, I was at that, at PNC, right, Doc? Yeah. So I, I, have, I have a question for, for everyone. Um, in the, you know, in the past few years, or it seems like every three or four years, there seems to be a story that guitar music is falling out of favor with popular culture, or that it's out the door, maybe that's through pop or hip hop or whatever, but it seems like it's kind of coming back in a, a little bit. I mean, what's everyone's thoughts about that? I mean, is... is guitar-led music going to be something uh, old fogies do in 20, 30 years? Is it going to be a thing of the past? Or or will this be kind of still something that we, we consider at the, the forefront? The people who write those articles are just so out of touch. Like that is like somebody's grandpa who has dementia. Like don't read those. <laughs> like seriously, who like the guitars now especially are more popular than ever because even in hip hop now, and Zena could speak on this, guitars are becoming popular. Uh, you have artists like Post Malone and Machine Gun Kelly crossing over. And I mean, rap has always been a genre that's crossed over right into, um, into rock and into metal. And pop too. I mean, you have like Monty Pittman of Prong playing with Madonna. You've got Nuno Betancourt of Extreme playing with Rihanna. So it's like, it's, 
guitars are more popular now than ever and they're infiltrating genres outside of rock and metal and they're everywhere so people write those articles i don't know what they're smoking i don't know where they live i don't know what their malfunction is but they don't read those articles whoever wrote that is near retirement like they gotta go they don't know what's going on i'm pretty sure it's younger people i mean all right so katie brought up a good point I mean, I, I do agree that a lot of guitar work is sneaking more into other genres. Like even when you look at it, like country pop, hip hop, you know, that the weird mix of like country pop and hip hop that's been going on. Like a lot of those guitar driven work, right? That's not just stuff that's, that, uh, that gets written on like, you know, I don't keyboard or whatever the case is. I will, I, I will say, I think, and I did read somewhere that over the pandemic, a lot of people bought guitars, right? at a time where guitars were actually kind of low because, you know, think about there's ebb and flow of each generation and how it goes forward, right? The SoundCloud generation, you know, was really able to kind of use non-traditional instruments to create their quote unquote music, right? But then people become fascinated with seeing live music. And when you see live music, you see live instrumentation, right? There's DJs, but a lot of even these hip hop artists, when you go on SNL, you can't even, you can't do that. You have to have live instrumentation. So like, I think that there is always gonna be an excellence fascination with guitars and the music that's created with bass too. Sorry, not to leave out the bass. Um, I think that it's just, it is still important and guitars are never gonna go away it's just going to, it just takes on different lives and it has an ebb and flow. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, again, like, you know, to expand on what you said, like Fender had their best year. They sold the most guitars in 2020 than they ever have in their entire history of existence. Like that's absolutely insane. That's insane. Especially during a pandemic when like, you know, Mm -hmm. people are struggling they don't have money, but they're willing to like spend money on guitars, you know, because there's this, there's this thing that there's this like, aspect of like you know between the the two instruments that are responsible for songwriting in people's eyes are piano and guitar and the reason why that is is like you know because the bass is limited i mean unless you want to be virtuoso about it you know in terms of like having bass notes and the actual composition like full chords you know it's piano and guitar and no one wants to fucking play piano man you know everyone wants to play guitar because billy joel Yeah, but how many Billy Joels are like killing it right now? You know, like aside from like Asians, you know, Lady Gaga would be the closest thing on that. Wait, who? What? Well, I missed that. I said Asians. Okay, listen, <laughs> we we are centuries into that practice. <laughs> minor detail. Minor I'm Asian. detail. <laughs> That's the thing, you know. It's like it's just you know, and not to mention like I guess it, there's so many reasons. I mean just the guitar just is and here's the thing to expand on what you said before Zena, like it is a very hard instrument to play it's not it's very unforgiving like piano is like if you want to hit an actual note of like c you hit the c button essentially you know where guitar is like you have to hold down the string the right way and you can't put too much pressure on it otherwise you go sharp and then you have to take your right hand and strike you know it's a lot of it's a very visceral raw instrument you know um that it takes a lot of time so it is it is kind of um it's interesting that that of all instruments, like that's the one that people are really gravitating towards, but it's definitely, and think about it, like that whole, that whole surge of guitars being sold in 2020, think about what's going to happen in 2025 to all those people who've been playing for five years. Cause it doesn't take that long to get good anymore. You know, if you stick with it for like a year or two, you'll be all right. You'll be able to hang, you know, it's just, it's just how it is. It's like, you know, you ever see the video of, um, 
gymnastics com- like from the 1950s compared to like now it's a marvel of human and like it's insane it was so like just timid and mild they're just doing cartwheels basic things and then you see like you know the what's it one's girl simone something like that that's the one like it's night and day and it's just a matter of the trajectory of human evolution it's what we do we take things and we make them better over time you know whether it's and obviously with music is subjective but it's definitely going to take on a new shape i'd say within the next five years something's going to happen well People have spoken. Guitar buried before the, the corpse is uh, dead. Right, we're coming back. Right, zombie. <laughs> you have a long career ahead of you, Doc. <laughs> so everybody's got their favorites for sure. And listen, we've been talking about a lot of dudes. First of all, we got to talk about the women who shred. And I, I, I got one or two in the mix here. But oh, I do too. Oh, I'm excited because I have a feeling they're different. Maybe synergies. Um, you know what, Katie, go off. You first. Oh, oh, I didn't think I'd be put on the spot like this. All right, I got this. I got this. So I came with three. I broke them into categories. Modern guitarist, classic guitarist, underrated guitarist. So classic guitarist, and now for me, classic is like just before like this century. I'm going to say Chuck Sheldner from Death. He was the one who did it for me. He was the one, like, I mean, I had already at that point by the time I heard Death had heard some of the greatest guitar players that have been out there, Dimebag and Kirk Hammett, Marty Friedman, Dave Mustaine, um, you know, but there was something about the first time I heard death that was just life-changing. And that really opened up a whole new world of music for me that I hadn't yet really explored or known much about. And Chuck Schuldner is, I mean, he's the godfather of death metal. He also extremely had a heavy hand in, making more technically proficient music. I mean, he really is a legend in every sense of the word. And like I said, for me, that was the guitar player I heard that just changed my life. I mean, there were a lot that changed my life, even Kurt Cobain, I could say, but it was something about that that just gave me a whole new perspective. And it's to this day, Death is still one of my favorite bands. Are we Are we just doing one at a time or are we? do I do all three at once? What are we doing? All right. All right, that's that's my first pick. So I'll, we'll, we'll save the rest for later. Uh, what about you, Doc? So I, I I listed a bunch, but I feel like some are so ubiquitous and important that if you're a guitar player of a certain age and you love metal, whether it's Randy Rhodes or Dimebag or uh, Marty Friedman, like um, Angel mentioned, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up uh, a guy that was that just set kind of changed the game around uh, 15, 20, 15 years ago. And it's a guy named Jeff Loomis, played with Nevermore, is currently in yeah. Arch, Arch Enemy. And uh, they put out an album called uh, Dead Heart and the Dead World. And he, his playing just went to this whole other level. And But not only could he do things technically that were above and beyond uh, what people were doing at the time, his writing uh, was just impeccable. And he, he understood melody and every time he did a solo, <clears throat> excuse me, it elevated the song to a whole other level. And he kind of reached this legendary status and he's still doing in- incredible work. So that's uh, that's my first choice. Shout out to Jeff Loomis. It's a good one. It's a good one. I sign off on that. Angel, what do you got? It's an interesting question from an instrumentalist, huh? 
I guess like me, he's like, here's the top rappers, Dylon, Dylon. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So like my number one desert island guitarist is uh this guitarist named Matthias Eklund, who's a guitarist from Free Kitchen. Um, he's much more along the lines of like Frank Zappa with just instrumental, like very, very kind of like out there experimental music. I really wouldn't, it's just very experimental. Um, but that's like my number one, like modern guitars, like beyond like the front lines of like what kind of influenced me for sure. Um, I'll throw one in. I mean, you guys have really just listed literally all of the forefathers, right? Like everybody has been kind of mentioned that is obviously one of the people who has shaped uh, guitar work in rock and metal. One that I, uh, so I started reading all these lists, right? Because I'm like, all right, like who do other people think is really good? And one that came up that I was like, wow, I wouldn't think of him as a shredder, but he is an incredible guitar player, especially for the writing is Adam Jones. From Tool. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because I wouldn't consider what he does shredding per se, but the style, the anticipation of the artistry, I think is like one of the coolest parts of, you know, being a Tool fan, right? And just being yeah. able to connect those things together. So I would say he definitely makes my list. Um, yeah. And I already said Van Halen. He does a few solos, though. Just kind of he's, he's entering the shred game. So I'm going to go with my modern choice. Originally, I was going to throw out Dean Lamb from Archspire, but I already talked about him. So we already know he exists. So I'm going to actually go with a guitar duo. And that's Misha Mansoor and Jake Bowen of Periphery. I think they're both extremely... Really Mark out of the, the other third guitar? I know. Where's the, where's the <laughs> left for Mark? I know. I know you're right, guys. There was no love for Mark there. There probably should have been. I mean, all the guitar players in periphery currently and past they were instrumental i think in really popularizing gents i mean at that point you already had other bands out like sixth and um or skith however you say it i think they were the ones that really started to popularize it that was the band that was getting played on liquid metal and that people were actually starting to really pay attention to and i think they really have changed the game i think they've merged kind of like the past and the present where you kind of have that new metal-ish style but it's classier i guess so to speak um so yeah i love periphery i would definitely put them All out right. there so my my second choice is someone who's been around forever and ever but for some reason i didn't really discover his definitive playing until around 2010 2011 and digging and that's nuno bentoncourt from extreme uh gina mentioned in him earlier i did Excuse you. you mentioned, I'm sorry. Rihanna, she all right? Nuno fan, yeah. <laughs> she always talks about him. Uh, I'm obsessed with him. I love him. Nuno, if you're watching and you're single, call me. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, doesn't age. He's got, the, he's, got, he's got that Prince gene. I don't know what it is. I, I really got into the record. They did three sides to every story. And uh, I really got into his tone. And he has a really incredibly rhythmic um, rhythm style that, a lot of times he'll write stuff on acoustic and it makes its way and, and he uses a lot of uh, chords that are not typical chords for, for rock music. It's really funky. Um, and he's just, you know, he's probably just a bit of a musical genius. I've, I've never seen the video of him playing uh, Hopper Teacher on drums and singing. He can kind of do everything, uh, but he's just this guy that just has complete control of the instrument at all times and knows how to 
be melodic and, and tone it down. And then when it's time to shred, his technique is flawless. Like he's one of these guys that doesn't play with too much gain. So you can hear every little nuance of his playing. And it's just, it's super inspiring. I started learning a lot of stuff to try and kind of sit in his, uh, just where he's coming from. And it's like, and now I think in retrospective, I think he's actually underrated as compared to someone like uh, Van Halen and Randy Rose. And I think he should be mentioned with those guys. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's, he's just an absolute monster, man. I mean, like you said, just the musicality, the musicality of what he's able to do is just unparalleled in my opinion. Um, man, Andy Timmons, Andy Timmons, Andy Timmons is, uh, he's another instrumentalist. He also played with like Danger Danger thing back in the day, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but God damn, man, that guy's got feel and a half, like, and the tone underneath his fingers is just, again, very identifiable. He kind of was one of the instrumentalists that kind of validated me like genre hopping as much as I do. Cause I felt like I wouldn't be able to have a successful career if I, if I, didn't do anything other than like metal or anything that I was like really known for. Like he kind of broke me out of that because um, like he, he just, he's able to play over anything and the way that he plays over things, he plays over things very appropriately. Like he phrases very appropriately over things and his melodic sensibility, Jesus Christ, man, he's just an absolute monster. So Andy Timmons is definitely my second pick. I am not always the biggest fan of like super, super technical, like technically proficient guitar playing, right? Like, especially when you go into a little bit more of that fusion, like mixing jazz, but um, yeah. Paul Masvidal. Oh my God, Cynic. yes. Definitely yes. like, you know, to me Cynic, like listening to their music, like was the best strike of balance between those two worlds, but also like has really interesting pop sensibilities in a way that I've never really heard another band duplicate and I think a lot of a lot of it can be attributed to like Paul's ear his, con his construction of the songs the way that he plays kind of like obviously the knowledge of world music that he has um definitely a good one and one other like newer one to throw in that I've always just been impressed and like as a man of color I definitely think is fucking amazing I knew you were gonna say him and that's why I didn't put him on my list I know exactly what you're gonna say oh Tosin Mm -hmm. Abasi, <laughs> yeah. um, animals as leaders. I had actually when I first moved to LA, I randomly met up with him, um, like for coffee one day, and I was like, "Man, this guy is like a fucking genius. <laughs> like he is literally a genius in just such like an animal and everything that he does and the way that he approaches it. It's just really cool. And um, you know, I don't know, he's just badass. I stand." It's so funny you say that because I actually had considered him and then I was like, oh, I have a feeling Zena is probably going to bring him up. So I want to give it space to someone else who won't be mentioned twice. <laughs> but Tosin's amazing. He's absolutely up there on my list as well. He is incredible. We All right. To, to wrap this up, though, we got to give a little love to the ladies. Who do you guys got for me? I've got. All right. My underrated pick, actually is one Nita Strauss from Alice Cooper. There's bands out there that when you go, it's like Iron Maiden and it's a performance. And that's what Alice Cooper is. And I think that sometimes the music he plays doesn't necessarily allow his players like Orianthi and Anita Strauss to really showcase their abilities. And I think when the case of Orianthi, she really made something of herself in a solo sense that people already know how great she is. Whereas Nita, I think people really just focus on what she does with Alice and don't realize just how versatile and how broad she is. Um, and she's just a spectacular player. I actually, right from the start, was like, I want to put Nita on this list because I just feel like she does not get enough recognition 
for her songwriting abilities and her capabilities that expand outside of the Alice Cooper sphere. If we're talking about ladies, then I have to give a shout out to uh, her former bandmate Iron Maiden, Courtney Cox. Yeah. She, you know, Courtney's a good friend of mine, but she would do the Dime Bash that they have out here around um, around Nam, and it's a ton of big time players, and she'll come out there and do every Dime Bag solo better than every single person there. <laughs> like, so it, there's no like scale, like oh for a girl, ain't none of that. She's poking nope. everybody. Because she, for any of these girls, honestly, for any of them, yeah. I was I really wasn't even thinking of Nita in terms of a woman either. I was really just thinking of her in terms of who is a guitar player I think is amazing but underrated. And she was really just the go to for me. I mean, it was really between her and Mark Tremonti, but I didn't want to lose my metal cred for talking about someone who played in Creed. So, God forbid. But, but we did we did switch because I had one more pick. So I also have to give a shout out to Wes Houck, uh from Alluvial. I think he's, you know, you know, he's not like a super young guy, like he's not like a young, but he is exposure now. And I think he's going to get a lot of people going to start paying attention to him as being like really someone who's moving the needle as just a really dynamic, incredible guitar player. And he's one of those guys that you hear him play, you know, it's him. You just his his, his style is so signature and he's incredible. So I have to stick that in there. Apologies. Angel, you got anybody? Yeah. Um, my top female guitarist pick has to be Khaki King. Oh Khaki my God. King, yes. That's my girl. Yo, let me tell you, let me tell you technical ability, obviously wonderful, but man, she has such a way of writing a song. Um, you know, my next record, there was a couple of songs that were very inspired by, cause it's, it's like Latin infusion and very acoustic driven. And it was no doubt, you know, a splash of influence from what she does. She just has such a way of that. There's a, there's a beauty with restriction sometimes, you know, and, you know, pacing that restriction with a very conscious, just, I don't even know, man. I could just go on and on about her music. She's just absolutely wonderful. And everything that she does, she's definitely run the gamut with genres as well, which again, another level of validation of just doing whatever the hell you want because your legacy is so much more important than feeling what your audience wants to hear. You know, she just never gave a shit, man. She goes from punk rock to acoustic to this, to that. She'll with, she just, she's all over the place, man. And I absolutely adore her music. So khaki King, that's my girl. Uh, like a St. Vincent. What about her? <laughs> Some people love her, some people hate her. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of St. Vincent, but I got to give her respect for her guitar playing. Yeah, I, she definitely has a presence. I, I never really listened to her music, but I know that she has a very strong presence with the guitar community. So I guess that garners some level of respect for sure. She seems like an artist in theory I should like, but I just can't connect. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Same. When I watched her Saturday Night Live performance, I'm like, this is a lot. This is a lot to, to take on. Um, all right. I'll close it out. I Again, you listed all these amazing people, Lita Ford, Joan Jett, all, you know, but maybe not in the shredder category. Okay. But in terms of shredders, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name a friend of mine. <laughs> My friend, Nicole, I can never say your last name. Pe Pepa Sfru, I could from- Oh, God. I know you're talking about. Yeah. Some Greek shit. Yeah. I, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I know she is. Yeah. She's sick. What is she in? Why can't I remember? Um, she's been in a bunch of bands. Uh, Callius is the name of her man, but it's very, it's like a proggy, um, not, not exactly my personal like taste. Right. But I, I gotta say when I watch her videos, I'm just like, she is one of the 
sickest players, in my opinion, especially just watching like the command that she has with the proficiency. I'm always blown away. So I would like you to go check out her YouTube videos and her band because I think that she's pretty incredible. Angel, thank you so much for talking to us about uh, who shreds and who doesn't shred. Um, where can people find you? Oh, man, I'm like a musical STD. You just Google me, I pop up everywhere. <laughs> Get yourself a ghost. <laughs> First of all, I didn't know I could catch an STD from using Google, but now I got to watch out. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Wrap up before you Google my name, boys. <laughs> Angel Vivaldi. Yeah, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, all over the place. Angel Vivaldi. And uh, yes, thank you guys so much for having me. It was an absolute joy. Had a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Angel. This has been great. Well, today we learned about the art of shred, um, and it's been a grand old time. If you want to find me on the internet, you can find me at Zenakota. Um, if you Google me, you will not get an STD, thank God. Uh, Doc, what about you? You can find me. <laughs> Sorry. Are you I'm sorry. That was just so fucking funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You get an STD another way. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DocCoil. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MercifulKate. Infect me. If you want to infiltrate on social media and get really nasty, hit us up at We Are The Pits. Wherever we have handles, I guess. If you want to see our wonderful faces, you can check us out on YouTube at The Pit. And let us know who's your favorite shredder of all time and leave us crazy comments. We love reading them.